the Leadership Lessons Podcast, hosted by Pastor Daniel Williams, a podcast to encourage and equip church leaders. Brought to you by eeleaders.com. Well, hey everyone, happy April. Can you believe it is April 1st already? And just a heads up, don't get April fooled out there. Uh, Just in case you forgot about this holiday, this is one that you really wanna celebrate with your kids. Uh, You can totally get your kids in so many different ways on this beautiful uh, holiday, April 1st. I don't know if you participate in that, it may be cruel. I was talking to Laura, my wife, and we were discussing some of the best April Fool's pranks that we've done with our children. And I remember when Jeremiah was about five, May was three, uh, we convinced Jeremiah and May that uh, their grandpa's bathroom had flooded. And what I mean by flooded is we put a towel over the door, a wet towel, and we said the whole room was full of water. And when we open the door, all the water is gonna crash out and get everything wet. So much so that Jeremiah was five and he got a swimsuit on, he had his goggles and inner tube and May was scared when we were gonna open the door and he literally thought a wave of crashing water was going to go down. Now, you may not have enough time to play uh, an April Fool's joke on your kids, but hey, just throwing that out there for you, sort of a fun story and I love April. Uh, But most of you probably aren't thinking about this holiday, April Fool's. Uh, You're thinking about Easter because it's only 20, 21 days away. Uh, It's April 21st this year, a little late, but it's super helpful for us as leaders to start thinking about this holiday right now, three weeks out, Uh, because we wanna be fruitful, we wanna be planning, we wanna be praying, and I know that a lot of you guys are thinking about that with your inviting and just um, welcome teams and all this different stuff. We really are praying this Easter for you that it is fruitful, that many people hear the gospel, they come out and they respond. And as we're learning about teams and developing leaders and investing in our team, uh, we really want to make sure that we're working with our team to focus on the resurrection, to focus on this great opportunity in our culture to be able to preach the gospel. And so uh, just know as we're three weeks out, I'm praying for you. I'm excited. It's April. Happy April, everyone. So on today's episode, we're actually going to talk about leading your team with clarity. Leading your team with clarity, what I mean by that is specifically talking about mission, vision, values, and good old strategy. Remember, mission is sort of why does your organization exist? What's the purpose? Vision is where as an organization are you going? Where as a church, as a team, are you going? Are you headed? And then values and strategy really shape how you're going to get there. How is that vision going to be accomplished? And I understand a lot of people don't really like this stuff like me, uh, you know, um, but I think it's very helpful for any organization to know your mission, your vision, your values. It's something that actually I'm processing and doing with my team and we're gonna be writing things out and just uh, going over things again and always communicating vision because vision so often leaks. Um, people forget, why do I exist? Where are we going? How are we gonna do that? And being able to say yes to things and no to things, having strategy, this is all super important for us as church leaders and I think we have to do a good job being able to communicate. And so on today's episode, I'm gonna have Pastor Bill Mitchell from Boca Community Church give a guest lesson uh, and it was a talk from Boca League. Now, some of you may or may not know about Boca League, but it is a local ministry here in our area in Boca Raton that is just banging. There's a few hundred, uh, I would probably say maybe three, not exaggeration, probably 400 leaders that come out every first Thursday of the month to to learn biblical principles and truth about 
business. And what Pastor Bill does is take scripture, takes stories, takes principles, and teaches them. And this is just a great outreach. And one of the reasons I wanted to uh, have a message from that, again, I asked Pastor Bill, and he said it was great to use it, um, because I wanted you to be aware of this ministry. I think it's so cool that we can actually look to Scripture for uh, guidance for these things. Uh, oftentimes the world is actually copying what scripture has said. Where like in Habakkuk it uh, talks about actually God told him to write the vision down. Or in Proverbs, without prophetic vision, the people cast restraint. They just do whatever they want. These things that we're going to be talking about are actually scriptural. They're biblical. And oftentimes the world rips things off from us, the church, because God wants the best for his people. He gives us truth and clarity and lets us walk in reality and be blessed in that. There were to be servant leaders and how to love people and serve people and those things. And so I wanted you to be aware of this ministry, this outreach, be praying for Pastor Bill. He's having great influence in our area, but also to expose you to this resource because this is not the only talk that Pastor Bill does. Uh, obviously, he's a pastor, so he teaches Bible studies and he also teaches Sunday morning podcasts, but you can get all of these biblical principles and things for business and leadership at Boca League. Uh, bocalead.com bocalead.com it's all free it's really cool uh, and so I wanted to share this episode uh, and just expose you to him again this is his lesson which I hope that will help it's talking about leading your team with clarity and uh, I hope that you're encouraged by it good afternoon and welcome to Boca Lead we're so glad you're here uh, we have this belief that we as a business community can make this greater community of Boca Raton in South Florida a better place to work, to play, to live, to have faith, and just to grow up. And I think we can do it. And we as businessmen and women, I think, should take the lead in helping do that. And that's what Boca Lead is about. And how many are here for the first time today? Raise your hand. Welcome. We're glad you're here. We give a handout every week, and it usually has some fill-ins, but you'll notice today's handout has nothing in it. So you can put on it anything you want. But today, we're going to look at clarity, leading with clarity. And so all the notes that I have today that are going to be on this screen are at bocalead.com slash clarity. So if you, we've got so many words we're going to say, and you go, I just can't write it all down. Just go there afterwards, and everything that I have will be on that, the whole PowerPoint. But I didn't want you to lose and get caught up in the words and miss the concepts. So what I like is when you leave here with one or two things, I'm going to actually give you six things, but I only want you to walk out with one or two big picture things that will help you. So if you like it all and you don't want to write and write and write, just write these six things down and maybe take some notes on that and you have this uh, to do that with. Clarity is important. Now, what is the definition of clarity? So I want to kind of give it in the business context. Clarity is this. It's the ability to clearly lead people on an agreed-upon journey. It's the ability to clearly lead people on an agreed-upon journey. There's a lot of ways to talk about clarity, and you can talk about clarity from different perspectives. We do it from a business perspective. So today, the six things I talk about are from business, but every one of them is applicable to you personally. 
So it's personal. It could be you and your spouse. It could be you and your small uh, business group. It could be the larger company you're in. But think of these things as we come about. And you go, well, I know what clarity is. I'm good at clarity, and I am too. But let me tell you a story. Um, as you know, and thank you for thinking about me and some of you who prayed for us, Elizabeth and I went to Lebanon to work with the Syrian refugees this past month. We just got back, spent a couple weeks over there. Uh, some great things are happening. Some terrible things are happening in Lebanon, but there's some good things that just don't make TV that are happening in that country, and we're excited to be a part of it. But we're a part of uh, an organization that we started here in Boca called World Lead, which is Boca Lead on steroids. We work with 125 partners in 35 countries around the world and travel to them and lead them in a three-year journey of growing in their leadership and in other areas as well. They're all nationals. They're not Americans. They're all from the countries in which we meet. So we met with our North African and Middle Eastern group, our people from Russia, Sri Lanka, Pakistan. They were all there as well two weeks ago. So it's an amazing time. So I get clarity. I love clarity. So we usually go to Africa in the summer because it's winter in the summer down there, so it's a little cooler. And afterwards, or when we're there, to get around, I always uh, hire a driver. I never drive in other countries. I've just learned a long time ago. I mean, not Canada, but other countries. I just don't drive. So I hire a driver usually for the week. Well, last year, Elizabeth and I and one of our daughters were coming back from Africa, and we decided to take an extended time in England. Usually we take the trains and Uber around, but I wanted to go to Wales and these places, so I thought, can't hire a driver in England. That's way too expensive, so I'm going to rent a car. And I'm going to drive left side, the whole thing. So I thought, I clearly understand the issues here. So while I was here, I'm a planner, so I went to my rental car company that I have the points on, and they're the same ones at Heathrow. I figured out the exact same thing. I did everything, did it all. I even rented a car that I'm used to, except it's on the wrong side of the steering column, but I, I rented my car over there, so I, everything was good. We had this incredible experience rented the car, drove all through southern England, into Wales, incredible time. Came back, my next-door neighbor watches our house while we're gone, great neighbor, and um, he's also my insurance guy for cars, my auto insurance. So he said, Bill, how was the trip? I said, it was fantastic, Tom. In fact, we rented a car, and I did just what you told me which is when I rent a car, my insurance covers the insurance. I never take the insurance of, you know, that costs quadruple, you know, because my insurance covers the insurance. And I said, and I did that. I didn't take the insurance. And he looked at me. He goes, did you have a problem? I go, no. We, a week there, got out. He goes, your insurance is not covered in England. <laughs> it's U.S., Canada, and 10 miles into Mexico. That's it. I said, you never told me. And he said, you never told me you were going to drive in these other countries. You always say you rent, you know, you hire drivers. I was so clear on where we were going, and the reality was I didn't have a clue. And God forbid, and I say that with respect, if we had gotten in an accident, I'd still be over there. <laughs> the expensive court system they have there. I thought I was good. We think we're clear on everything, don't we? 
The reality is maybe not. So I brought a little thing with me, prop. A ladder. A ladder. These things are great. They help you do things. I was with Habitat for Humanity two weeks ago. We did the CEO build. And when you get invited to do the CEO build next year, you do it. It is fantastic. About 60 of us guys who used to be good with our hammers and nails and not so good now got together with about 30 people who were good and we were helping build the house. And I'm climbing up and down ladders, which my wife told me never to do now. But here's the thing with the ladder. There's different parts to the ladder. And if you want to get to the fruit at the top of the tree, if you want to get to the trusses to set them correctly, you have to climb a ladder. You can stay on the ground to do certain things, but there's times to climb a ladder. And in business, this is a metaphor, you have to climb a ladder. There are things you have to do. And there's really three parts to a ladder. The lower part is what you want to make sure that it is stable. You stabilize it, because why? We live in a city that's nothing but sand. So you have to make sure it's stable. The mid part is where you do most of your work. You climb up three or four steps, and that's where you're doing. You're painting the walls. You're fixing the, the, the lights. You're doing everything here. But every so often, you climb to the top. Why? Because you're stretching to find the fruit or get that last piece of paint up or get that last tile on the roof or whatever you're climbing for. You do have to use these. It's the most dangerous part of being on a ladder, but you have to do it. The key is it only works if the bottom is stable. So all three parts are important. We're going to look at all three parts, two down here, two in the middle, and two at the top. Now you have the two rails that are important as well. As you climb up the ladder, whether it's a single ladder or an A-frame ladder like this, you hold on to the rails and it's important. Today I want you to think of the rails as this. Your personal life and your corporate life. Can you do that? Because these apply to both your personal life and your corporate life. So everything I say corporately applies to you personally. Everything I say personally applies corporately. And this little model that I'm doing, Elizabeth and I do about every five years. And we just did it this past summer. And we're actually still in the process of working through these six, six things in our life as I hit 60 this year. And I go, you know, it's time to like reassess and relook to see if my ladder is facing in the right direction. Because the worst thing you can do is be up here and you're about five feet away from the fruit you want to get. And you can't get it. And you extend and you push and you, and you still can't get it, Right? which means you got to come down and you got to move the ladder and do it over again. So let's look at those six things today. Can we do that? And this whole thing is called alignment. We're going to align our thinking to clarity today. Alignment is taking these six things and they will bring stability to you, if you're looking at it yourself personally, or to your organization as you seek to lead it in the direction that you have set. Can we do that? Pretty simple. Let's look at number one. We're going to start at the bottom. The first two, then the second two, then the third two. The first one is this, identity. Identity. 
it is so important for you to understand if it's yourself personally, who you are, why you exist, what motivates you, what are your purposes, what are your passions, what is your calling, what is your giftedness, how you live your life. If it's your company or your team, ask the same questions. Who are we? Why are we here? What are we doing? Why are we doing it? We get caught up thinking that past performance is clarity, that tradition is clarity. Now, past performance is important. Tradition, I come from a, a long tradition, so traditions are very important as well. But as you look to the future, you have to understand your identity, and it's not easy. This church is called Boca Raton Community Church. It used to have another name. Does anybody know it? Bible Town. It has not been called Bible Town for 29 years, and all of you knew the name of it. And people go, oh, that's a Bible town. I go, no, it's not. Bible town died 29 years ago. <laughs> identity is important, but identity is very difficult to change. It is hard to move this ladder. I mean, it takes two people because our identity is stuck. But don't get so stuck in your identity. When I went away to college, before I went away to college... I had a name that I no longer have. It was Billy, Billy Mitchell. There's nothing wrong with Billy. There's nothing wrong with Billy. But when you're 6'6", six, Billy just doesn't work anymore. <laughs> and I changed my identity in one day because I moved. I went away to college, and I changed my luggage tags. I changed my name tag, that name. And the only people that call me Billy are people that knew me before I was 18 years old. I've changed my identity. Identity is so important. What is your passion? What is, when you think of your company, are we really doing what we're setting out to do? Do we even know what we're setting out to do or are we just doing what we did last year? It's past performance making us do the future. And I would venture to say your identity is so important. And the beautiful thing here in South Florida is everything's so new, you can change your identity, you can move about. It's so unbelievable. Everybody thinks it's so great that I'm the fourth generation here. It's like... You go to England, their garages are older than our country. So it's like, I don't get it. And um, anyway, number two, direction. Now, I use the word direction because I'm kind of tired with all these words that everybody categorizes. Vision, mission, strategic plan, objectives. Every company has a different word they use. I just go, what direction are you heading in? Tell me the direction. You see, this... I just changed the direction of this, so we're now over here. I'm changing the direction of this. I'm doing it because I have a vision of changing these lights over versus those lights. I have a mission to do it. You can, you can do all those internal names, but what is it? Where are you heading? What are your values? What is your strategy to get there? Now, all of us know this in business, and it's the end of the year, so many of you are going through that process of strategic planning for next year. But do you do this personally? Do you ever ask yourself, where am I heading? What is my vision for my life? What are the values that infuse what I do that put stability on what I do? Johnny just mentioned a couple. Is a forgiving spirit one of those values? Is get all the money you can one of those values? Is anger one of those values? Is bitterness one of those values? Is entitlement one of those values, or is 
love, compassion, care, realizing you've been given more than you need and you can give some of that away. Those are values as well. And then taking that and inspiring other people, motivating other people. If you're in a company, you got to motivate them yourself. you got to motivate your children. you got to motivate your teams. you got to motivate your nonprofits. That's what you do. And when you get your identity established and your direction held, the ladder is secure, and it's ready to start work, whether it's the ladder of your life or the ladder of your team or the ladder of your company. And in the middle of this are two very important steps. Number one, or the third one in this, and I've just put a simple word because everybody has their own word in their own language and in their own um, companies and their own uh, lanes that you run your uh, businesses by. I put operations. You can call it whatever you want. How are we going to get where we want to go? It's very important, and two things are important here. One is, and this is for the personal side, daily disciplines. Daily disciplines. I bet you if I were to ask you right now to write down what you did this morning, don't do it, you could tell me exactly from the minute you woke up to the minute you got to work, you could tell me what you did. If I asked you, tell me what you had for lunch yesterday or the day before, you'd have to think through it. Why? Because the daily disciplines of the morning, that 6th in the morning till 8.30 or whenever you go to work or whatever your little time is, is so disciplined, isn't it? Don't you do the same thing? Don't you eat the same things? Don't you have the same regiment? Those of you that, that uh, spend quiet times, those of you that run, the, you do it all, you know, might be three days a week this way and three days a week that way, but it's disciplined. And then all of a sudden, we get to work and our disciplines die out. And I would just suggest that those disciplines, not the ones that you wake up with, but new disciplines become a part of your life. And if they do the things that you can accomplish are unlimited. The people who have some discipline, and by the way, the the Greek word for discipline comes from the word we get gymnasium from. It's working out what you do. If you are a person of discipline, you are a person who works out what you do. Not physically like a workout, but in your business. And then, As we take it into the business, the systems and processes. This is huge because most of us do repetitive work at business. Those of you who are in real estate, the goal is to do more sales. You you do 10, you do 15, you want to do 20, you want to do 30. You've got to have a system that allows you to do more. Those of you who, every business has this. I have educators here. You want to add 100 uh, students to your You've got to have a system to do it. I've got nonprofits here. You want to build more houses. You want to have more foster kids. You want to help more poor in Haiti. You've got to have a system to do it. And they do have systems. But we as business people sometimes wake up and go, what am I going to do today? How am I going to achieve this direction and develop some systems? But personally, develop them as well. On this personal side, It's so important. Why? Because so many people climb a ladder at work, and then they come running down the ladder, and then they go climb a ladder for home. 
and they come running down, and then they go climb a ladder on Saturdays when, or Sundays or Friday nights when they go to worship, and they climb down the ladder. Then they go to their nonprofit, and they climb down the ladder. Wouldn't it be good if it was just one ladder? Wouldn't it be good that you could live in such a consistent way that at work, at a play, at your faith, how you raise your children, it's the same values? As opposed to cutthroat value here, love my daughter there, I want to screw people here, I want to love my spouse there. Um, you know, you're running up and down ladders all day long, and that's when you trip, and that's when you fall. And can I say, where most problems occur on a ladder right here. You fall off the last one. You think you're on the last rung and you fall off. And has anybody fallen off a ladder here? Last rung most of the time. Oh, I twisted my ankle. I wrenched my knee. Be careful. I would say the consistency of your disciplines. We tell our children, you know, serve, love. And then at work, we do a whole different thing. I'd say... Make it consistent. Some of those values. Now, you do it in different ways, obviously, but the values stay there. Let's go on. The second part of this middle are people. People. Do you have the right people in place? Best book on this, of course, is Good to Great by Jim Collins. You've all read it. You all know it. It's important that you, you have the right people in place, but... Are they trained? So if it's about you, the question is, are you in the right place? Are you in the right position you need to be in? Are you trained for it? Those of you that are younger in this room, and we have probably about 25% of you are newer in business, are you in the right place? Have you gotten the training? Those of you who lead people, how are you training them well? And then are your teams effective? Everything we talk about is teamwork, 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 and then it's really not teamwork. It's really a group of people all doing different things, reporting to one person. That's a work group. We're all working towards reporting to one person. It's a work group. A team is where they're all interacting with each other for the greater good of the organization. That's why Elizabeth and I are big on family. I believe families can do much more together than we as individuals do separately. Your children, some of you have grandchildren, the things you infuse in their life is incredible. Why do we want foster kids? I mean, kids who have no parents in a home. It's right here. We want to infuse values and love and all the things that you and I have for those who don't have. I mean, it's just a simple thing. And yet, we don't get it, do we? It's interesting. And then the last two. Engagement. You can put whatever word you want around it. Are we reaching our audience? That's the customers, the focus on it. And right in the middle is the word communication. Now, you've heard me, if those who have been with me a long time know that communication to me is the most important thing. And if you want to trip on a ladder most, it's with communication or miscommunication. We think we communicate well with people because we speak the same language. That is so far from the truth. And I've shared how my wife of 36 years and I laugh about that. We couldn't get go and no together. I won't even share that story. It's, it's just so... 
I was a senior in college, and I got invited. I, I was working in, I worked in several minority uh, areas of uh, Chicago. Chicago's a great microcosm of about 40 different cultures. And so I worked in several of them. I happened to be working, I was 20 years old, I'm working in the Polish section and having a great time working with children and doing this thing. And it was unbelievable. I don't, I'm not a Pole. I didn't understand the Polish. I, it was fantastic. Their foods are great. Their culture is great. We're doing these things. And so on Sundays, I would go and do a children's group with these kids and had the time of my life. And I'm learning culture. And I did it in the African-American community. I did it in the Romanian communities, different times of my time there. So I'm with, a, and one of the leaders said, Bill, we want you to come to dinner next week on Sunday. I said, wow, now I can get into a Polish home, not just into their uh, community center and have real Polish food. It was great. I said, great, dinner on Sunday. So I leave, and like a lot of people, they don't tell you the time, like my wife's family, they would say, you want to come to dinner? They never tell you the time. You just come at dinner time. And um, my mom would say, come at 6 o'clock on Thursday to dinner. And if you're there at 6.15, you've missed the first course. <laughs> Some cultures aren't that way, so I figured this culture just said, come at dinner. So I'm thinking dinner. I eat dinner at 6, but most people eat dinner at 7. I'm going to get there at 6. So just in case they eat an early dinner, I get there at 6 knock on the door of this little home on the row houses in northwest Chicago, just west of Wrigleyville, and I'm on Pulaski Street, and I'm knocking on the door, and the guy opens up and goes, what are you doing here? I go, you said, let's have dinner next Sunday. It's next Sunday. He goes, dinner is at noon. I go, what? He goes, dinner is at noon. I go, that's lunch. He goes, no, lunch is Monday through Friday at noon. Dinner is at noon on Sunday, and supper is at 7 o'clock. I missed by six hours <laughs> this event. We knew the language. I spoke the language. I know what dinner is. You know what dinner is. My dinner's at 6. His dinner's at noon. We miscommunicated totally. I thought I was clear in receiving it. He thought he was clear in giving it. Please understand, clarity does not happen by words, by accident. You have to communicate effectively or it will be miscommunicated and misunderstood. Now, we live in, in Boca, which has how many? Our church has 40 different first-generation cultures in it, 40, 40 different first-generation. Now, I got to stand up in front of 40 different cultures and communicate something. It's tough. In your business, you might have two or three cultures or five or six. In our marriage, we have two cultures. And actually more than two because she grew up Lebanese-Jamaican. That's two very different cultures. So I, we have three cultures, you know, we're trying to communicate with. So learn it well. Identity, direction, operation, people, engagement, and the final one is this, influence. Influence. We believe leadership is influence. Are we doing what we set out to do? Ultimately, all this planning down here, who are we, why do we exist, where are we going, how are we going to get there, what are the operations, who are the people that are going to take us, are we working with our customers well, 
all ends up when we get to the top of the ladder, when we're trying to reach out, are we doing what we set out to do? How's our reputation? Those of you who are new here, how many are here 10 years or less in Boca? Raise your hand. 10 years or less. Raise them. It's okay. Okay, so you don't know this, but Boca has been known for years. We had um, Kozlowski and Tycho. We had Sullivan and NC, MCI uh, WorldCom. We had the Penny Stocks. Um, what was the other one? I'm missing one. Oh, we had Al Dunlop and Scott Paper, right? And I mean, I'm just naming the big ones that made it on CNN. I mean, we are known for having the wrong influence over the years in the business community. It is time for that to change. And I think you all and us can do it. Reputation is huge. We have a reputation that precedes us, but can I say past performance does not determine future. You and I need to look to the future, not to the past. Let's look to the future. You and I live in the best place in the world. I can say it. Many of you have been there too, but I've been in almost 100 countries. There is no place like Boca Raton in the world. None. When you go around the world and you say new, they don't say York. When you say lost, they don't say Angeles. When you say San, they don't say Frisco. You say Boca, they say Raton. Everywhere in the world. It is the most unique place in the world. It is unbelievable. But you can't lose the opportunity. It's unbelievable. Integrity, the ability to educate. Now we're going to close, and I want to share something with you. Another illustration. I love things. I have a bowl of apples. It's apple season. When we came back from... Uh, Lebanon, we stopped through Chicago to spend a day in the fall and went to an apple orchard and picked apples and just had the time of our life, which we never get to do because we are down here picking strawberries. And um, so here's some apples. Let's pretend there are 300 apples in my hand, just apples everywhere. I have so many apples, and you people are in need. You need to eat. You need things. And so what do I do, David? Catch. Oh, 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 sorry, David. Here, I'll go shorter here, a little softer here. Marla, there you go. What am I doing? I'm giving away my apples. Here you go. Here you go. There. I'm giving away the apples because these people are in need of something. It's not apples. They're in need of something. They're in need of a currency, a currency of generosity. It's not always money. There's other things. But yet, I have hundreds of apples left. I have given out of my abundance. I have a lot, but I've given. And a lot of people say, oh, you know, they give a lot of money, but they have a lot of money. You know what? That's okay. Because there's a lot of people who have a lot of things and don't give anything. But if you have... I still got plenty for my family. I got plenty for my friends. I got plenty for my close associates. I got plenty for my neighbors. But I need to give away out of my abundance. Now, that's easy, and you should do it. 
You can call it philanthropy. You can call it charity. I call it generosity. And the reason I use that word generosity is because the word jenner means to produce. A generator, a generator, a generations, you're producing something. I believe when you give to something, when Habitat builds a house, they are not giving philanthropy. They are not giving charity. They're giving generosity because they are producing something. When these people and those people over there and all of you who give are giving, you should give to produce something. Not just to give away an apple, give away a dollar, give away um, a home. No, you're there to produce something. Now, I put these away because now I'm another person, and all I have in my life are two apples. I'm smaller, but I believe all of us have gifts. And you go, I, can't, I don't have hundreds of apples. I don't have excess. But you really do. Every one of us has more than we need. Because we think currency is only money. But currency comes when I give love out, when I give appreciation out. It's November 1st. It's Thanksgiving. When I give gratitude out, I haven't lost my gratitude. I've given it out, and I still have as much left, and many times even more left than I gave away. And I would encourage you, my friends and business associates in Boca Raton and Palm Beach County, Let's be known as givers of generosity. Let's put our ladders in a direction that, yes, helps my family, absolutely. Helps my company succeed, absolutely. But maybe a third rung to this, the backside that balances this, could be a sense of a generous spirit. And if we do this, I believe we'll have a better place to work, play, raise our families, and have faith and worship than any place in the world. Thank you. Well, every month I recommend a book to you as a resource that I think is helpful. And this month, uh, April, this book is going to be by Daniel M. He's uh, the director of newchurches.com, has done a lot of stuff with Lifeway Research and those type of things. It's his great book called No Silver Bullets, and it focuses on five small shifts that will transform your ministry and talks really about the importance of having a mission, having values, having strategy, leadership pipeline. Uh, I just really enjoyed this book. And if you want to dive deeper into sort of leading your team with clarity and having a resource to help you ask questions and walk through it, um, this is a great book to read. Uh, and so I'd really recommend it. Here's a couple of quotes that Daniel M. says. He says, the only uh, way change happens, significant, long-lasting, macro-level change is through a series of small decisions, steps, and micro-shifts that are put into action and completed one at a time. It's sometimes baby steps that lead you a long way if you're consistent. He goes on to give us those five shifts from the book that we as church leaders should consider. Uh, and then he says, just like there are different layers of systems in the human body, uh, it is so too with the church. The systems in your church are designed to work together uh, like they do in the human body to help your church function as God intends. And so he, he talks about how these shifts and these strategies and values and mission and leadership pipeline should all be working together in unison to actually help your unique culture of your church. He says strategy is as much about what you choose not to do as it is about what you choose to do. 
many often, oftentimes we understand this as leaders, we can't do everything. And so we have to decide and say yes to things and no to things. And so um, you decide based off of your core values. He says, stopping is the birthplace of strategy. Sometimes our strategy can actually say no, 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 no to all these other things that are opportunities, but they're not what God's calling us to do. So we have to evaluate. We have to understand what we value. And he gives, gives us a value audit in this book at the end of it, which I think is pretty cool. I was able to um, type it up, to make a Google Doc and send that out to my team and just get a familiar of what do they value? What, what are they, what are they, how do they define words? What do they like? And it was just a cool little process that I've been doing even with my team. He says, values are not what you do. They are what characterize everything you do. And so he addresses these things in a very helpful way, gives you some tools, questions to think about. Um, and I think it's just a really cool, great book. So again, I know everyone's not into this. This episode may have even been boring to some of you. But for me, I think it's helpful to not only have um, vision, mission, uh, values, a plan for your organization, but like Bill said, also for your life. Uh, these things are important to know. What do you value as a leader? Where do you want to go? What goals do you have? How do you accomplish that? And um, on this week's One Piece of Advice, we have Dan Grittner really sharing uh, about being in agreement with your spouse. As you have goals, as you have vision, as you have mission, personal stuff for your own life, are you in agreement with your spouse? Are you talking with uh, them and communicating with them in a clear way? Remember, they're our first ministry, our first team, our spouse, uh, our family. And so as we talk about teams, we have to talk about the importance of marriage and focusing on two becoming one. And so here is Dan Grittner. Uh, he actually shared uh, two episodes earlier. He's planning a church in Royal Palm. Pastor Dan Grittner, uh, this is his one piece of, his, of advice. You're listening to One Piece of Advice, brought to you by eeleaders.com, a ministry to encourage and equip church leaders. My name is Dan Grittner, and my wife and I are church planners in the Royal Palm Beach area, Life Spring Church. And my one piece of advice to you is to be in agreement with your wife. Oh my goodness, or if you're a lady watching this, be in agreement with your husband. Agreement is so powerfully important. You know, the Bible talks about the two shall become one flesh. And of course, oftentimes we think that is about sex and it obviously involves that. But being one flesh with your spouse is much more than that. It's not just about your bank account and you know coming together as one or your house coming together as one, but it's really that your dreams come together as one, your direction comes together at one, that you're in agreement with your spouse as you move forward. When there's unity in the marriage, it's so much more powerful. Plus, <laughs> it'll stop you being in so many fights. You've got to find a way to be in agreement. And the thing that I love most about being in agreement is that if something should happen bad or contrary to the way that I thought it was going to work out, if my wife has agreed to what I've said or what we do, then there can be no fight. There can be no, oh, you, I told you not to do that or I told you not to do this because we've agreed together. So when you agree with your spouse 
I know, I know sometimes you don't want to do it. I'm talking to the men right now. I know you think your way is better. I know that you want to do it your way and you think that she's just off the wall crazy. I know. But listen, you've got to find a way as the man to lead her and to integrate your desires. It's not just about you being a doormat and letting someone walk over you. You guys got to work together, I believe, to work together in this thing because you come so much stronger together and your plans become so much stronger. Now, me and my wife, we've been married eight years and this is something that I am learning. I am in the process, like five, five minutes ago I'm learning it. No, I'm just playing. But I mean, I'm learning it as, as well as you are. But man, the more and more I do it, the more and more I'm engaging her, bringing her along, she feels more alive. She feels more next to me. She's with me more. We're moving together more. There's more power in this thing. Sometimes it's a little bit longer. Sometimes it's a little arduous. Sometimes it's frustrating. But listen, it's greater for you. And I believe God's designed it to be that way. I don't think that God wants one couple going south and the other one going north. I think God wants us to walk side by side in the same direction. I think that you would agree with that. And so we've got to find a way to put our pride down, to put our ears up, and to listen and to be in agreement. So I believe it'll help you in every area. I think it'll help you in the bedroom. I think it'll help you in the pulpit. I think it'll help you in every area of your life. So my one piece of advice is to be in agreement with your wife. God bless you today. Well, on next week's episode, we're going to be talking about culture. Uh, I actually interviewed Pastor David Shamil, campus pastor from Christ Fellowship, a great guy, full of joy, always enjoying my time with him, learning from him. And so I know that this interview is going to bless you and just sort of help us process about these big things, actually practically talking to someone who's applying uh, strategy and values and what that actually looks like in a church setting. And so I pray uh, that your Easter is going going to go well. I'm praying for your planning, your prepping, uh, your you're inviting all these different things because we know that the gospel is the power to save and it is another great opportunity in our culture to be able to preach the gospel. And so uh, continue to press on, to plan, to strategic plan, continue to give those plans over to God. We know that his will will be accomplished. And so continue to abide in him, trust in him. Don't stress, be in prayer right now as you're planning and I'm praying for you. So we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this Leadership Lessons podcast. You can watch all the episodes and get all the show notes at eeleaders.com. If this podcast was a blessing to you, I would love for you to share it with your friends on social media. You can find us on social media at eeleaders. You can also help us spread the word by simply writing a review on iTunes or Google Play. My hope for you with this podcast is that it would encourage you and equip you to continue to serve Jesus. Because remember, there's nothing better than doing what God has called you to do.